Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week's interview is with Dr. Sarah Davis. Sarah is part of Evie and Sarah, authors of the new book, Modern Manners for Moms and Dads, Practical Parenting Solutions for Sticky Social Situations. Evie and Sarah are real-life best friends, and they're moms to six young kids, and they're also co-hosts of the podcast, Modern Manners for Moms and Dads, with Evie and Sarah. Evie and Sarah help parents and caregivers learn how to prioritize their own needs, their child's, and everyone else's in social situations. This sounds like the perfect topic. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me on today. We are absolutely thrilled to be invited. Thank you so much. So this book sounds like it's a, an etiquette book. That's what I was expecting, a sort of Emily Post for our times, you know, sending written thank you notes and things like that. But it's actually much more than a list of do's and don'ts. Can you tell us what your approach is in this book? Absolutely. So, and that's such a good thing to talk about because people hear the word etiquette and they go, ew, like, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> Not going to lie. I'm one of those people. <laughs> I know. I mean, because really we don't want to talk about like, oh, let's, we're, Evie and I were talking about this the other day, like, oh, where you have to take your spoon and scoop it away from your soup as you gently put it in your mouth. Like, no, 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 no. That's not what this is. This is the types of things that happen to us as parents that we have no idea are coming until we are in the thick of it. So for example, you know, you are in the grocery store with your toddler and all of a sudden they are screaming and you cannot get them to stop and you have a cart full of groceries and you think to yourself, what do I do? Do I leave the store with all my groceries? Is that okay? Can I do that? Should I just push through and buy things because I really need food? Or what happens if you're in a mommy and me class and your child pees on the big red mat, <laughs> right? Then what do you do? Is it like, okay, do I clean that up myself? Are they supposed to do it? Am I supposed to leave? If I have a change of clothes, can I come back in? It's all these like, sticky situations that come up that we really haven't thought about until it happens. And then we get done with it and we immediately call our best friend or our mom and we go, you won't believe what just happened. And then of course, the next question out of their mouth is, well, what did you do? And what did you do? <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> like, so what do you do? <laughs> right? So what we did was we actually developed this framework, a method of kind of like teaching people how to fish, right? So we have a quiz in the beginning of the book that gives you a public parenting perspective. So it tells you what you are. We have kind of discovered that every parent is a piece of a solar system. So we like to call it the solar system framework. You're either a fireball, like the sun. You're either 
a crescent like the moon or you are the stars in the sky like a constellation. Can we go through this briefly and, and see if we're a crescent, fireball, or constellation? Of course. Because I think Margaret's a fireball. I mean, if I had a guess, but, I, but I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably right. And I just have a disclaimer for our audience that uh-huh. you all know that we record these from our houses nice. and it is quarantine time. And so my <laughs> son is taking a trumpet lesson. So if you hear like a moose being murdered in the background, that is not happening. It's just that my son is playing the trumpet like four rooms away and I cannot escape the sound. So now, all right, let's talk about these types because I love this kind of thing. I love taking like which potato chip are you quizzes <laughs> and I want to know what type we all are. Yeah, this is like the Myers-Briggs for public parenting. Okay, so if you are a fireball, you're like the sun, okay? It means that you prioritize your needs first when you're in a situation. It means that you're like the sun, you burn bright, you know that if you don't put on your own oxygen mask first, if everybody else is going to wilter, like to wither away, right? So you're very good at all that. You're very good at delegating, at multitasking, at self-care, all of that fun stuff. And it means that in a situation like we just talked about at the grocery store, you would probably say, you know what? I'm hungry. We're getting this food. Like, I understand you're crying, but I'm going to do my best to get you to stop. But in the end, I'm going to finish my shopping. And is that fireball person not that worried about what other people think or can just put their own needs first? Exactly. Both. Okay. All right. Okay. So that's one. The second one is a crescent, and that is, we like to call that, that's like the protector advocate parent. So that's me. I'm a crescent. That's like the moon, where the moon is always kind of watching. Sometimes they're a full moon, and they're right up in your business, and sometimes they're a crescent, and they're really backed off, you know, a smaller moon. But they are the ones who put their kids' needs first. These are people who are usually like caregivers, teachers, nannies, babysitters, and, you know, are looking for their kids' needs. So in that case, the grocery store example, a crescent might say, might spend a lot of time trying to figure out what's wrong with their child, and they might offer them a snack. They might even be opening a bag of goldfish that they haven't paid for yet, which is something I've totally done, by the way, and being like, oh, you're hungry. Here you go. I'm going to pay for it later. You can have this now. I'm going to calm you. But in the end, I'm still getting my groceries, but I'm going to you know, really worry about my child in that moment and make sure that I've done everything I possibly can to make sure that they are okay. Because in that sense, I'm in that situation, I'm worrying about them. The third perspective is called a constellation, and they are, Evie is a constellation. And it means that just like all the stars in the sky, you know that you need everybody to function. So a star, one star in a constellation doesn't make a constellation. You have to have all of them. So they prioritize society's needs first. My husband is a constellation. In that grocery store example, that constellation might be so embarrassed that their child is throwing a big fit that they can't stop that they might leave their groceries full and just leave the store. Because they don't want to embarrass themselves and they also don't want other people to feel uncomfortable. So in that situation, there are three perspectives. There might be a right answer here. And the right answer in this case is you can get your groceries. You can continue on. You don't have to stop your child from crying. You can try. You should try, of course. But if you can't, you are okay to finish your shopping. So the answer here is between a fireball and a crescent. I was going to say, I think, or a little constellation too, right? Because I was going to say constellation with fireball rising because (laughs) I love that. I love that. I do feel like there is a perspective of I want to get my groceries done and I don't really care what other people think of me as a parent. Mm -hmm. But at the same time... I do think that allowing is a strange word here because it's also ages and stages, right? Like a two-year-old, you're not really allowing them to do anything. (laughs) Yeah. But 
I do think that subjecting other people to your screaming two-year-old in a situation that you can control in any way is not great. I don't want to be on a plane with a toddler that's screaming and a parent who is not even making a show of making an attempt to make that stop. Okay, so that's a really good point because we actually have a whole thing on traveling with your children in the book. And we talk a lot about what to do on an airplane because airplanes are exhausting for parents, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, we can't really control what our kids are doing. Airplanes are uncomfortable. They have to sit still. Their ears hurt. It's a mess, you know? So, but each perspective is going to have a different point of view. And it is an etiquette book. So there are right answers. Like, would it be the right answer to ignore your child to scream? Absolutely not. But it's also okay to do your best. And if your child's still screaming and you're doing your best, that's okay too. You know, the goal is the effort. If I'm three items into my Target shop and I realize it's going completely south, I have three kids who are all 18 months apart. So when I was little, I would often literally have a two kid stroller with three kids in it. I mean, wow. It was like, you know, those pictures of sometimes you see like 18 people on a motorcycle and people are hanging <laughs> off the side. That's what my cart looked like, you know? And so there was a point of no return in that situation that I had to recognize, right? That like, sure. if I'm a third of the way through and it starts going south, I'm like, yep, we're calling this. We're out of here because I don't want to subject other people to that horror show. Mm hmm. But if we're two thirds of the way through, like we've hit the fail safe, we're in. We can't get out of this. And I just am like, yeah, sorry, people. You're going to listen to an absolute hellscape. It's going to last about 15 more minutes. I feel like I would leave the cart to the side, leave the store with the kid, get the kid calmed down and then go back to my cart. That's very Amy. I like it. That's very well thought through. I wouldn't abandon them, but I also would get the kid out of this because you have to change because that's how you stop a kid having a tantrum anyway. Right. You change the environment. Sure. And that would be a, you know, a crescent slash constellation reaction. I love it. I'm a crescent with constellation rising. <laughs> I love that so much. Not surprised I'm not a fireball. Yes. Or what's the other? What's like descending? Yeah. Descending. So we actually, in the book, we have something called auroras and twilights, Ooh. and which are basically strengths and weaknesses of each perspective. So for example, a crescent who is an advocate and a protector of a parent might be too overprotective and might be too controlling. So there are situations like each chapter, you know, we have a chapter on school, social media, public parenting, which includes like running errands, going to weddings, you know, traveling, all of those things. And at the end of each chapter, there's this whole section of like, here are your auroras, your strengths in these types of situations. And here are your twilights, your weaknesses in these types of situations. So it really is a thought provoking book. And it's about the parent. We keep saying this is not about the kids. This is not about teaching your kids manners. This is about figuring out why you make the decisions you do and your kind of your personality type that kind of moves you in one direction and then figuring out when that perspective is helping you and when it's holding you back. Because sometimes you might be making a decision that you might need to tweak a little bit. Yeah, like in that situation, I probably would be more worried about what the people in the supermarket think of me than mm -hmm. is my kid's finger caught in a part of the shopping cart and I don't realize it. Sure, and when I go to Target with my husband, so like he's a constellation and I'm a crescent, He's super concerned about the kid's behavior. Like, oh my gosh, why are they touching everything? They're, well, not now in COVID, we're not touching anything. <laughs> but before COVID, it was like, oh, they're touching the Christmas Santas. And I'm like, of course they are. It's super fun. And it says, push me on the button. Right. You know, and he's like, no, 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 this is so bothersome to people. And so like, we would have these arguments, like discussions in public places because we have different expectations of what our kids should do because we have different parenting perspectives. And just having this sort of framework for it, has that changed how you parent with your partner? who has a different approach? Oh my gosh, absolutely. 
because we don't really argue anymore. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, you're being such a constellation right now. Huh. And he'll be like, oh, yeah, I know. But he's like, but we're his big, cause we have four kids. So his big thing is we're in the way. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I know we're in the way. We have four children. We're always in the way. <laughs> this is our life now being in the way. That's our brand. We are people who are in other people's way. Yep. I think sometimes discussions of this, I remember a long time ago, Amy, we were talking about a theory that you would have conversations with your spouse that was like, I want to do this. And it's a four on a scale of one to 10 for me. Oh, yes. And then I want to do this. And it's a seven on a scale of one to 10 for me. And my initial reaction, because I'm just this person is like, that sounds annoying. I think I'll just keep fighting with my husband instead. (laughs) You know, like, I don't want a system. I just want to get through the day. And I think some people here like, identifying your personality types in these six different ways and it will help your and I think a lot of people are like me where they're like this sounds like a lot of work and I'm already really busy but I think the overall point of it is let's identify why going to the grocery store is such a nightmare and whether there are things we can identify about those situations in advance because once you're in the grocery store with melting ice cream and three screaming kids, you're basically just like, where is the you know cyanide pill in my tooth that I can take because I have to get out of this? It's horrible. And instead, trying to identify in advance, like, what is causing whatever situation that is so overwhelmingly difficult to be so difficult and give it a language that helps it? And I actually think that's really useful. And I've only come to thinking that's useful from doing the podcast. Before it, I would have been like, this all sounds crazy to me. I just want to jump in and say that's Epic Danger on Instagram who says that, Nick North. He uses it as a relationship framework. And we actually thought that was really helpful. This is so helpful, too. Let's take a break and we'll be back with more from Sarah. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different 
different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use fresh to get $100 off your lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so what we were talking about before the break was, you know, public parenting. But that's really only one chapter of the book, right? One of the very big topics that we hear a lot about on our podcast from our listeners and readers is birthday parties. You know, so this book goes way beyond just going out with your kids in public. Think about birthday parties. Think about all the details that go into a birthday party. You're setting up a birthday party for your five-year-old. You get a call from one of your friends, one of the classmates that says, hey, I know that birthday party is for the five-year-old or the four-year-old, but I have a three-year-old. Can I also bring him? You know, what do you do? Mm-hmm. How much money do you need to spend on a birthday present? What if it's a twin party and you only know one of the kids? What if there's kids coming that have allergies? Are you responsible for making another cake? So all of these things are also in the book. It goes way beyond just going out with your kids. You know, it's, hey, can I take my five-year-old son to my yearly GYN checkup? Hmm. And if I do have to take my five-year-old son to my yearly GYN checkup, what do I do with him? (laughs) You know? What happens if we are invited to a wedding? How do I know if my kids are invited? What do I do if I have to bring my kids to a wedding? All of this stuff. Also, things like we talk about social media. When is it okay to post? What should I not post? How should I deal with sticky situations when people post pictures of my kids I don't like or I don't want on Facebook or I don't want on Instagram? We should yell at them, right? Mm, Absolutely. Totally. You should definitely. (laughs) Good, good. Because that's what I do. Green light. (laughs) Right. I have a question for you. You say in the book that good parenting can sometimes look like bad manners. Why is that? For example... And, you know, we just keep going back to this example, but say we're out at a store, say we're in the post office with our child and our post, our child is not happy that we're waiting in line at the post office because they don't want to be there. So they start to scream and they start to cry and they're whining and they're jumping up and down and we're trying, we're talking to them and we're saying, hey, you know, we're in line, we're going to be done in 10 minutes, I'm sorry. What we could do in that moment, and this is might ruffle some feathers, but I'm going to say it anyway, what we could do in that moment is we could hand our kids our phone. That would stop them from screaming. That would keep everybody happier in line in the post office. And we would be able to get through our errand. That might look like good etiquette, but that's not necessarily the right parenting choice. If we give our kids our phone in that moment, we are putting a Band-Aid on the problem. We're fixing it in the moment, but we're not teaching our child how to wait in line at the post office. So the next time we go to the post office, our child is going to do the same thing. And then we're going to have to give them the phone. And we're going to set up this pattern of behavior where they haven't yet learned how to handle a boring five-minute wait in the post office. But if we let them work through that frustration and we talk to them in the line, and yeah, they might be making people a little uncomfortable, they might be a little bit noisy, but we are doing the best parenting that we can in that moment, but it might look like bad etiquette because our child is yelling and screaming and we're not stopping it. I mean, we're trying, we're talking to our kid, we're getting down on their level, we're explaining to them, hey, we're almost done, you're doing a great job, please be patient, but we're not just handing them a phone and saying, okay, we're done now. I'm going to make sure everybody else is is happy here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Is there another example of that? Because I'm team hand the kid the phone. Mm. But I think like a lot of examples, there's probably multiple examples that Mm -hmm. are useful. I mean, my take would be, I let my kid have a phone in the post office line because there are a million places where we learn 
patience. And I would give my kid the phone in the post office line. I'd be the one saying the lady back there says kids have to be quiet in the post office. I love saying the lady said. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Amy's big on the lady, which would work, too. It works. Yep. And I like to say, oh, the lady is working as fast as she can. So we just have to be patient and wait till it's our turn. It's short-term solution versus long-term gain in a public situation. I get it now. Like they, we, we want to be the best parents we can for our kids and then doing it in public just puts a whole other layer of complication onto it. It does because people are, you know, like, oh my gosh, why is she letting that kid scream? Well, because I'm teaching them something. Yeah. So I'm, you know, and a constellation would have a really hard time with that because they would say like, I don't want to teach my kids something right now because I'm making everybody uncomfortable and everybody's judging me. And I just want my kid to be quiet because everybody's looking at me. Yeah. Mm. There are going to be moments when you're at a restaurant with your child where things are not going well. You know, they might throw food on the floor. They might yell. They might say something rude to a server or an adult, right? And the way that you react in that situation might look like bad etiquette to people around you, but it's good parenting because you are teaching your child something that's going to serve them well in the long run. I think that's right. And I think the post office example, this is the thing. There are 8 million different opportunities to do this work as a parent overall. Right. And I think it's fine to make different choices about when you do it, basically. Right. So two thirds of the way through shopping is not the time I choose to make those choices. Mm-hmm. Being on an airplane, we've talked about this a lot. Like we have something called sky rules, which is like anything goes on an airplane in my family, right? Like if you're at 35,000 feet, you can have 9 billion Skittles. You can have anything that makes you quiet. And as my kids have gotten older, they don't need any props at all. They get on, they have their iPads. We travel all the time, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I think you can scale your responses a little bit based on you know, there's different rules for a plane. There's different rules for a Panera than there are for like grandma's 50th anniversary dinner at the fancy restaurant. Yes. But if you've never taught them how to do anything, if you haven't practiced in Panera, when you go to your grandmother's 50th anniversary, you are going to be really stressed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you did a had a family funeral when my kids were fairly young. I didn't think that young, but the reactions of other people after the funeral was like, are you a sorceress? How did you Uh get them to stay quiet in church? And because it was a close relative of ours, but the death wasn't in our family, if it makes sense. So it was something that was very metaphorical to them. But I still talked to them beforehand and said, uncle so-and-so is going to be really sad today. And we're going to sit there for about an hour and 20 minutes. And you're going to be quiet. And you're going to sit with your hands folded because you're doing this for your uncle. And they totally did it. And maybe I am better at the sort of Panera training stuff, but I feel like talking to your kids about the expectations can help also. You just can't do that. It can't be every trip to the post office. You must be silent, right? And by the way, we are not anti-screen. There are times where a screen should be taken out, like when you're on an airplane. That's a great time to pull out a screen, right? You can't take your child off of an airplane. You can't you know, take them out for a break. So that's a good time. Another place for a screen would be the ER. You know, you have to take your child into, you know, you don't know how long you're going to be there. Everybody's scared. Everybody's uncomfortable. Right. Take a screen with you. You know, we are definitely not anti-screen. That's not the message. The message really is pick and choose when you use it. And the idea behind the framework is because we can't predict every sticky situation that will ever happen to a parent, right? That's impossible. What we can do is give you a method so you can think about, okay, well, I'm a constellation here. So yeah, in this case, I'm really worried about how my kid's behavior is affecting others. Is that okay for me to prioritize that right now? Or does it matter? You know, should I be a crescent or a fireball right now and say, you know what? I know the people, for example, breastfeeding. 
Someone who is a constellation might be very nervous about breastfeeding in public because they don't want to make other people uncomfortable. They should be a fireball. They should feed that baby. You know what I'm saying? I think what happens in those situations is like people just freak out because they make it too personal to themselves. Yes. And so they're making decisions that are like, am I an offensive lunatic if I (laughs) breastfeed here? Or am I a bad mom if I let those other people shame me out of it? Mm -hmm. And it's so nice to give people a construct that is not that. Because that's where I think we get in trouble. I mean, I was that parent for sure. I mean, I wasn't like, you can't see anything. I pulled my shirt up from the bottom. Like, if you have a problem with it, you can leave the room because I'm not going to miss everybody opening presents because I'm breastfeeding, right? Uh huh. But that is, why is it okay just to play devil's advocate? Why is it okay to not take somebody else's discomfort into consideration in that one example, even though I totally did that? Okay, but you didn't because you didn't just take your shirt off. Right. When I'm still covered, I'm not, you know, taking my shirt off. So, the cover is for you, not for me. And it's not helping me or my baby. So why am I using it? I feel like this is a helpful construct to something we talk about all the time, which is you have to find a lot of the problem with being a mom is we're going to somehow make everybody happy, you know, and you're constantly in a situation where you're making somebody unhappy, whether it's yourself, your kid, or like the person who's looking at you. And I was on a plane once, (laughs) two seater plane, I was by the window and the guy who sat in the aisle was like a gigantic looking, I don't know if he was like military or like football player, but like picture the most giant guy you've ever seen. (laughs) His job was being large. His job was taking up like nine seats on an airplane and we only had two between us and I was breastfeeding. (laughs) Of course. And at a certain point I turned to him and I was like, dude, listen, this is going to get real weird because I'm basically going to have to put my arm in your lap in order to get my kid (laughs) on my boob so that I can breastfeed him. And like, we're going to be in a real intimate situation here that neither one of us signed up for. But you're a giant dude and I'm a breastfeeding mom. And like, that's how it's going to go down. And I just want to give you a heads up. And he was like, yeah. How did he react? He was fine. I mean, he was like. Yeah, this is about as strange as it gets. And we kind of had a little laugh about it. But at a certain point, like we have two very differing needs that are coming together in a very unique situation. And I feel like that's every single day of being a mom. Yeah. I mean, that's a ridiculously high, you know, stakes situation. But that's every day, all day. It is. And and by the way, let's not forget the dads here, because guess what? A dad has to go change a diaper. He goes into the men's room and there's no changing table. Hmm. And now what? What does dad do? You know, what does he do? That's a good one. What do you suggest? Right. Well, it's in the book. We have like a whole chart of like, you should do this. And if that's not available, then do this, then do this, then do this. Because, you know, do we go on the floor on the gross floor because there's no changing table in the men's restroom? Like, what is this? You know, can we change the baby on the counter? Do we go out to our car? What if we don't have a car? Can we do it in the booth of the restaurant? Where do we change our diaper? It's if then, right? If then. I have been in that exact situation, changing my youngest child after an extremely long flight. You know how sometimes on a flight you go, it was an international flight. So it was one of these things where you're in a weird hallway, then all of a sudden you're at baggage claim and there has been no bathroom, right? And it's like, she needed her diaper change. And so I ended up having to like find a corner, like in the baggage claim, a corner where nobody was standing. And I kind of did it on the floor. And this person who was clearly somebody who had never had to be in such a situation before. He just was so like, oh, I can't believe this person. But I honestly had no choice, right? Like, yeah. And so, yeah, that's a tough one. And again, like my kid needed to be changed. I had to put my kid's needs first, first, or at least somewhere in the equation. Yeah. And, you know, you're never going to make everybody happy and you are going to get bad looks sometimes. And, you know, there are many right ways to do something. And that's something we talk about a lot in the book. There's many right ways. There are some 
incorrect ways to do things? Like, is it incorrect to, you know, change your baby on in a chair, you know, and a seat on an airplane? Absolutely. It's incorrect. Have I done it? Yes. <laughs> you know, I was a brand new mom. My son was like three or four months old and I was flying with my husband and he had like a big blowout and we were brand new parents. And it was like, oh my God, what are we going to do? We can't go to the bathroom. Like it's too small. This is a mess. We totally changed him on our lap right next to somebody else. And I think about that now and I totally cringe because that was such bad etiquette. But in the moment we were brand new parents and we were thinking about the baby and only the baby, you know, it was like, oh my God, we've got to change the baby's diaper. And she was probably like, ew, you guys are, this is disgusting, you know? And we talk about that in the book that we've made mistakes, that we've done things now that we look at and go, oh my God. Bold stance, Sarah. You're going to explain after the break. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used hero bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty-calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero-gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. I travel a ton because I have relatives who live far away and we visit them a lot. And so I am an airplane baby ninja. Like I can change a baby <laughs> on top of an airplane toilet. No problem. Like, ooh, I can change a temper tantrum two year old. You get better at some of this stuff, too. Like it's all a learning experience. So you talk in the book about how the most common parenting faux pas, and it seems to me that this is an example, is inconsideration, which is actually just obliviousness. You weren't like, I don't care what this lady thinks. I must change my child. It just, just didn't, didn't even enter your field of vision at that time. Is it 
Is our obliviousness as parents something we need to be more aware of? I think so. I mean, this is what my husband means when he says we're in the way. Sometimes you are. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we are. I will be uber crescenty and we are, you know, standing like Bush Gardens, for instance. We were in Bush Gardens and it was Christmas time and we were standing in the middle of the road because I was doing something with one of the kids. It's a big amusement park, right? So we're standing in the middle of the road. People are walking past us and I'm doing something and I don't even think to step to the side. I was in the way. So my constellation husband is like, Sarah, we are in the way. Can you not move to the side of the road while you're like tying his shoe? Like, I think that there is a role for the crowd if your three-year-old is running around a restaurant, like grabbing food off of other people's plates. And I think I understand that there's a lot of pushback to like, let's stop giving mom such a hard time. But I also think the crowd serves a purpose, you know, and being judgy is different than like having some expectations that we are communal here on the plane and that it is reasonable. I mean, the plane is a hard example because I think a crying baby is very hard to deal with on a plane. And so everyone should just deal with it. But a crying baby in a nice restaurant, I think people have a right to shoot you mean glances. Yeah, I mean, that's true. And that's the exact thing we we're just talking about is that the environment makes a huge difference. If you're taking your kids to a wedding and they are fussing during the ceremony, you really need to move your kids out of the ceremony so that they're not caught on video fussing in the middle of a wedding, right? Mm -hmm. If you're in the grocery store and your child is fussing, that's probably okay. So it really does matter. you know. So the idea of the quiz is that everybody viscerally connects to one perspective. You know, I viscerally connect to crescent perspective. Does that mean I'm never a fireball? No. Does that mean I'm never a constellation? No. But it means that the majority of the time, I'm going to think like a crescent. Sometimes I have to shift because my twilights, my weaknesses might make me too child focused when in some instances I should be more society focused or my focus, you know, my needs. Can we talk about manners and self-care? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love you brought that up. Yeah. You talked about that. And I would never think that those two things go together. I love that you brought that up because self-care is the critical piece of this whole thing. So we have something that we've created called a parenting pyramid. And self-care is the foundation of that parenting pyramid. Oh, a pyramid. I mean, Margaret loves a triangle. All right, there you go. <laughs> I am all about the pyramid. And I'm so glad that you've justified my pyramid because Amy <laughs> tries to besmirch my pyramid. Etiquette is at the tip top of the pyramid and self-care is at the bottom. So what do they have to do? How do you get from self-care to etiquette? So the idea is that self-care is the foundation. If you don't take care of yourself, if you don't put yourself first in you know, giving the things that you need to function. And I'm not talking eating a meal or showering. That's BS. That's your needs to live, to survive. I'm talking about, are you, do you like to cook? Do you like to read? Do you, are you making time to exercise? Are you making time to give yourself a facial mask? Whatever you like to do. Why do we need to do that? Because when we have taken care of ourselves, we have the bandwidth, the emotional bandwidth to see where our kids are at. That is the next level of the pyramid, which is emotional care for our children. If we're not able to meet their emotional needs, we can't get any further. You know, Evie and I are both teachers. And one of the paradigms that they teach you when you're going through school to be a teacher is kids don't care what you know until they know that you care. You can't teach a child anything until they have an emotional connection to you, until that emotional connection continues to be filled and filled and filled. But you can't do that for anybody until you've done it for yourself. So you've got your self-care at the bottom. Then you have your child's emotional needs. On top of that is their behavior. You cannot correct before you connect. 
We have to connect to our kids emotionally, and then we can move up that pyramid into the third level, which is behavior, correcting what's wrong. You know, hey, we're talking about, you know, using kind words. Oh, you're feeling angry right now. We're working through that. We're working through how to handle our emotions so that we can be, have better behavior. Once we finished with that, then we are hitting our etiquette wicket. You're not going to be able to tell your screaming kid in the grocery store to stop screaming by just saying, you better stop crying right now. That never, ever works. Never. What you have to start with is, first of all, let's hope that in the morning before you left for the grocery store, you've gotten up early to maybe call your friend or your mom or you've taken your shower or whatever. You've had coffee with your partner. Then you're in the grocery store. You're with your child. They start to fuss. It's like, oh, are you feeling hungry? We're having some conversation about this. We're kind of, we're hitting some emotional wickets. Oh, we, you're feeling frustrated. I know this isn't what you'd like to do. We're going to go to the playground later. We're almost finished. You're doing such a great job using that kind, gentle, patient voice. And then their behavior starts to get a little bit more out of control. And it's, hey, okay, but we've talked about this. We've set expectations before we walked in the store. Now we're doing this and we're going to be able to finish our shopping. Can you help mommy right now? I need you to help me. Can you hold this bread? Can you tell me what, what's next on our list? And now you've preempted the etiquette issue before you even got there because you hit the self-care, the emotional, behavioral, and you're able to preempt many of your issues before you even have to reach the top. And you look like you're in control, but it's a very planned process to get you there. And is it about modeling calm for our kids? Like it occurs to me that a lot of the time our kids are, quote unquote, misbehaving. They're actually just dysregulated. And if we model calm, they're going to be better behaved, at least in a way that the world perceives them. And is that a primary goal? It's the, what you just said about dysregulating. It's the same with adults, right? We don't mean to snap at people. When we snap at people, it's because we're anxious. It's because we're angry. And most of the time we're anxious and angry because we haven't taken the chance to process our own feelings, to spend time with ourselves, to do the things that we need to fill up our own cup. If you're a young child, young children who misbehave like that, that's exactly what's happening. You're absolutely right. And I think the key to the idea behind the book is do this thinking. And this is something we come back to again and again. Think about this outside of the situation. We always say, like, no correcting of your spouse's parenting while parenting is happening. Like, <laughs> while we're in the fight with the three-year-old about their shoes is not the time to walk over and be like, honey, you really need to calm down. You need to be firmer with her, whatever it is. Like, once we're in the terrible situation, we're not going to be able to regulate it for anybody. And so it's about stepping back from these situations and building some thoughts around this and building some foundations around it that make you more ready to go into the situations. Because once you're in the situation, it's too late to be like, how am I doing? Absolutely. You're right. And that's why the whole idea here behind the pyramid and behind the framework is to prepare you for something you, as we said in the very beginning, prepare you for situations you don't even know are coming. That's the key, because as we try to work out like specific situations, you might handle it. I might handle it. It might go this way. It might go that way. We might be fancy. It might be a funeral. Like the variables are endless. Yes. And so it's a chance to check in before those variables start coming at you. It's like the way an athlete trains. It's the way anyone who a doctor trains. Right. You think about what's going to happen and all of these scenarios before you go in, because if you only start thinking about it while you've got a scalpel in your hand. And you're in big trouble. Right. And you know, for anything else that we do, we study before we go do it. Right. Right. 
you know, we want to be a teacher. We go to school. We want to be a doctor. We go to school. They hand us a child in the hospital and they're like, hey, here you go. See ya. <laughs> Lots of luck, uh-huh. sucker. Yep. <laughs> you might have to change a diaper on an airplane. Good luck. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And all the other parenting books are just about your child's development, right? They tell you what's going to happen to your child, but nobody talks to you about what you are going through and what you need to think about with yourself before you end up in these situations with your kid. And you're like, nobody told me this. <laughs> nobody told me this. A memoir from every mother ever. Sarah, tell us about the new book and your podcasts about you and Evie everywhere we can hear more about this. Awesome. Okay. So the book is called Modern Manners for Moms and Dads, and it is available anywhere you can get your books, amazon.com, and as well as lots of other places. We do have a weekly podcast called Modern Manners for Moms and Dads. It's available for lots of brand consistency here. Easy to remember. That is available wherever you get your podcasts. And we have a fantastic Facebook group called Talking Modern Manners for Moms and Dads. And that is a place where our community comes together, asks questions, and they kind of delve into all their fun sticky situations. Everyone gives their opinion. It's a really kind and supportive group. We talk about our parenting perspectives a lot. We talk about what happens when, what do you do if. It's just a really great group. And we're also on Instagram as well. I'm going to link to all of this in the show notes for this episode. Sarah, thanks for talking to us today. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.